Welcome to Punk Frockers, a community sewing podcast brought to you by Jenny Hassler and Beverly Baptiste. I am doing really good, but I will say I am slightly achy today. You are? I, I took my very first yoga class yesterday. Ooh, now, in your whole that life? is, I mean, it was three years in the making, Beverly. It took me three years of thinking, you know what I want to do? I want to start doing yoga. And, okay. and I would get caught up in the part where I'm like, but how do I find a fat-friendly instructor? And the advice I could find online are basically look for a fat yogi, start there, um, find classes that are, that, that are called all body yoga. Like look for the phrase all body. Um, I now know I could also look for gentle flow or restorative as possibilities, but I, my knowledge of yoga comes from movies and television. So it's mm-hmm. all very slender people looking graceful and like it takes no effort it's it's very much not a sweating activity unless you do hot yoga, which I'm aware of, but would never choose to do at this time. And and there, it just like my picture is from television. If you think of any mm-hmm. yogurt commercial like that, right? And I finally decided that since the reason I want to do it is I think it will help me to maintain my mobility as I age. Mm-hmm. I think this is a great way to become steadier on my feet and to be sure I'm able to keep moving in the ways I want to as I get older. I reached out to several different yoga studios to say, basically, I'm fat and feel uncertain about starting this journey. Do you have recommendations? And one of them was basically like, here are the classes you might try, but didn't have recommendations for specific teachers or anything else, mm-hmm. which made me nervous. And another one said, actually, we're not doing anything in studio right now, but I love working with people with bodies that have what might be viewed as traditional barriers to movement because they aren't barriers. And I like to work personally with people like this to help them see how they can make yoga part of their practice. And I'm like, okay, we'll try this. But then she wanted to talk by phone, which is already, that's like a strike um, because who wants to talk by phone? But I call and I talk to her. And what I learned is she is, she is so enthusiastic, like, like the so enthusiastic. Oh my gosh, I'm done. I'm very enthusiastic. And I'm like, you know what? This is still my best shot. So I'm going to sign up for a private lesson. And my private lesson was yesterday. And she is also in person, enormously enthusiastic, like just bundle of enthusiastic energy, which is almost the opposite of what I <laughs> what I associate with yoga and with me and yoga. So it was interesting. <laughs> but um but she took pictures and videos of poses when she I, I think they're called poses. She wasn't really I didn't feel clear on a lot of the language still, but showing me how to do things like um flex my toes and then roll my arches up and then do things like squats or like I don't know if they're called squats in yoga but like basically flexing bending the knee right with your body pulled forward and I just don't know anything about yoga and so we were doing things like that and she's like this is just sort of foundation work to try and get you comfortable with how your body should be lined up when you're doing Mm -hmm. these things but the thing that was important to me was we hit a point where my feet were shoulders apart my knees were shoulders apart 
like that space with my knees facing forward over my toes. And I was supposed to be bent forward. I was leaned forward, I think, with my hands on the seat of a chair. Mm-hmm. And then I was supposed to squat. And I'm like, there's nowhere for my belly to go. <laughs> this doesn't work. It's on my thighs. It's just pushing up into my chest. This is not. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, then we're going to go and use a pose that is called sumo, which is exactly what you think it is. It's mm-hmm. sort of your legs further apart, your toes pointed out, your knees going out over your toes. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do all the other things the same. So we're going to lift your toes. We're going to roll your your arches up a little and you're going to do it from there. And I'm like, I did it. And I'm like, yeah, it goes right down between my legs. This is perfect. That's exactly what my belly needed was mm-hmm. an open up face. And we go through all of this stuff. Um, the end result was this was like an hour and a half. Wow. The first 30 minutes, we're talking about my relationship with all of my body parts. So like, hey, when you think of your toes, is there anything I should know or we should think about when we start this process? <laughs> when you think of your ankles and knees. And so it was a catalog of what I know about my body. Mm-hmm. And and before we started, she pulls out tissue and says, you may cry a lot during this. Some people do. And I'm like, oh, that's not going to be an issue here. <laughs> and she's like, I mean, but it's okay to cry. And I'm like, I hear you. I just, I'm telling you, it will not be an issue here. <laughs> I thought that was funny, the the tissue yeah. thing. But at the end, I felt like I'd been somewhere. Like I had I had a tremor in one of my the muscles in my inner leg above my knee. Like you could see it wobbling a little bit afterwards, mm-hmm. like it had been through a thing. And so it was it was it wasn't like in the movies. Like I'm not <laughs> popping up out of that and jogging over to the coffee and cupcake shop, you know. There's Yeah. It it was more than that. But so did you cry though? No, not one bit. (laughs) (laughs) Not one bit. There was not even the tiniest thought of a tear. Um, But what I did learn is as she went through body parts, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I do have thoughts and feelings about all of them. And some of them are related to the medical malfeasance that I've experienced in my life. And others are just like, oh, well, I know why, like, I know my left ankle is a problem because I fell downstairs and PT wasn't able to return full mobility to that ankle. I know Mm -hmm. that that means that I compensate with my other leg. (laughs) So there are ways in which my other leg is stronger and used Mm -hmm. to doing things because it's, it's making up for damage on the other side and things like that. So it's, it was interesting in that regard that there was something like I could say something about it. We we even asked about my sinuses, like the whole, all the, <laughs> there was a conversation about everything. Um, but all that to say that I, I, I yoga'd and I think I may yoga again. Um, nice. But that leads me to an ask of our listeners. I'm going to start with, I don't want to sew yoga pants. I'm not interested in that. Mm-hmm. I want to just buy yoga pants. What I found out in, I organized this class on Thursday and between Thursday and Saturday morning when it occurred, I could not walk into a store in the city I live in and find a pair of yoga pants I could walk out with. Um, I could potentially have gone online at Target. I could possibly have gone online at Walmart. I might have been able to go online at any of the other, like for a smaller yoga stop. I Mm -hmm. ordered from Amazon and they did not fit. They did not match the measurements in the ad. Mm -hmm. I was unable to. So my, I'm going to post pictures next Friday, actually. It's going to be my fat, fatty, fat, fat Friday. Mm -hmm. It's going to be my yoga pants. Um, But I ended up doing this in a skirt that I tucked up under my belly when she needed to get pictures and see how my legs were were functioning because mm. I, I could not come up with a pair of stretchy pants that fit my body by walking into a store and buying it, which is bullshit. 
Yeah, that's terrible. I do think we'll, you'll find some some of our listeners will have some suggestions for you. Yeah, um, for both purchased and sewn, because I will mm-hmm. sew if I have to. I just think that everybody deserves to be able to go buy clothing that fits them. Sure, sure. Not to and, have to and, make I'm, it. I'm certain there are those options. I don't know what they yes. are, but I'm, I, I, I think yet. it's a great idea to ask the listeners about that because several yeah, of them so. will, will have purchased those. Yeah, tag me or at me in either patterns or preferably something I can order and will be delivered to my home in a lovely package. That's, <laughs> that's I do preference. know, like, if you end up sewing something, Green Style has a good size range and they have many choices. Of, awesome. Yeah, that that I know, yeah. but, um, and, and I've made some of their, um, yeah. you know. And if I end up really liking yoga, that's the moment where I might start making them. Sure. Right now, all I know is I feel I, I feel like the pain of the stretches in a good way today, not bad way. Like it was good, good stretching. I like it sort of like I'm happy to try it, mm-hmm. but I don't know if it'll become a regular practice. Of course. Yeah. You have to give it a, a while to see that. What have you been up to? Um, well, you know, what? we've been enjoying our swimming pool that's associated with our gym. So we have been going using the gym as well. But um, the our gym it, it has not my gym my no no gym the Durant. one that starts with a g yeah yeah our gym has outdoor pools it has indoor pools and outdoor pools so um it's really cool so we go over there and they have slides and jim and i go down the slides too That's and so wonderful. um yeah the the young people that i work with thought it was hilarious that people our age were we're doing the slides, but especially without any kids with us, but, um, they're fun. No, they're I love it. Long, That's fun rides. Yeah. So we've been having a good time with that. That's really good. All right. Awesome. So what, I think people are mostly interested in what we're selling. I mean, I'm not convinced, but, um, <laughs> Of course, uh, we got back from New York with giant bags of fabric. And if you want to mm-hmm. hear more about the trip, join our Patreon. It's uh, going to be August's free episode. Yes. I came back and immediately um, started using some of that fabric. And so my make for this week is a yesterday dress by Karamiya Maui. And as a side note, when you are listening to this, if you listen to it close to when it's released, just hit up Karamiya Maui's page or Julia Costs fabric page on Instagram. Check out their stories. They've got links to places where you can contribute um, to help those who have been personally affected by the wildfires in Maui. So I can't say Karamia Maui without without yeah. pausing for that reflection. That cl- that's not close to her, is it? Um, I mean, the island is not very big, so it is in that oh. regard. But no, she's not at risk. Okay. Currently, did not, did not, there was no risk associated with that. Okay. She's taken... Like she's collecting donations and the shop that she opened um, traded out all of her racks of uh, unique dresses um, for things that could be given away so that people who needed clothing could come and get clothing and things like that. And I know Julia Cost has taken in a couple of families who needed a place to stay because she has either an Airbnb or similar sort of short term rental situation there and is helping out with folks who have found themselves homeless at this time due to the, um, to the wildfires. So just, I know it's a bummer to, to raise in a topic like this, but it's so important and you can go yeah. and check out their, their sites for that. So I made her yesterday dress, which I've been in love with lately, and I've been adding cap sleeves to them. 
Now, I'm adding the cap sleeves because while the straps for me are perfect, they're the exact right size to go over my bra straps, if I move at all, the odds are good my bra straps are going to show on the outer edge of it because mm -hmm. you move and straps move differently than the ones that are sort mm -hmm. of anchored to your body by the weight of your chest, basically. <laughs> so I've been adding little cap sleeves to them. And I had made an Ankara um, foundation pieced fabric which was just waiting for me to find my black linen because I have black linen here in the house somewhere, but I haven't gotten to the bag that has it in it because my policy of finishing a bag before I open a new bag. So I cheated. And when we were at gray line linens, I held up my skirt and said, Hey, do you have a linen like this, but in black? And they did. So I bought it so that I wouldn't have to wait. And I made it up and it is, I think one of my most favorite dresses I've ever made. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. I saw that. I was like, I need to do this. It is so good. And it uses such a small amount of the yes. entire fabric. And actually yeah. because you pieced it, it, that's like just scraps, right? It's just scraps. Yeah. There's no, no big expense there. No big time because I foundation piece, which is really easy. You can find a lot of videos on YouTube on how to foundation piece strips or squares or other things in fabric. And it comes out really nice. It's a very powerful like statement. You look at it and you think, oh, that's, that's a thing. Like there's a lot of effort put into that, but then I'm adding this enormous solid weight skirt. And yeah. so there's no, it's actually well, mental actually effort, think not much. <laughs> with that dress, I mean, you could even just, even if you didn't piece it, it would use a very small piece of fabric yeah. because the, the, in the yesterday dress, the bodice is very small. And yeah. then the big part is the, yeah. So you could use a small mat. And did you use the, um, what did you, um, do the my binding? I did black. I did black for my binding, black binding and black yeah. for my, and black for my cap sleeves. So the only thing yeah. I did at Ankara was the actual bodice piece. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's really nice. I really like that. I thought it came out super well. So that's the big thing I worked on for this one. What did you do? Well, um, I did, and I did this last month because it was for the PF So Precious. I did this. I yeah. used the fabric you gave me, Jenny. That's Finally. so great. It's handwoven fabric from Lumen Stars, and it is the most beautiful blend of colors with like it's like rainbow and it's kind of plaid do we say plaid yeah. or do we just say checked I don't know I say check but yeah okay and yeah because it's not like stripes in there right? right it's just just checked um but I made the style arc teddy designer top now I've made a few of these I'm actually wearing one right now I like <laughs> them a lot they're very they're they're just kind of flowy and nice it's like it's been a very popular post of mine, like one of the most popular, yeah. I think, because the fabric is so, so amazing, too. I made it without the collar. Mo a lot of folks, this collar comes together in the weirdest way. It is so difficult. <laughs> I've made three versions of this, two with a collar made wrong, and then one without the collar. And I recommend, unless you really want to have this popped up collar look, which, you know, maybe you do. Um, just make it without it because the facing inside um, you could sew it down and it looks yeah. really nice and I don't miss the collar at all. So I also, it has a huge hem band. It has a large hem because um, it's a, it's a kind of high, low and also swing yeah. back on it. So okay. it has 
a pretty wide. And I found that um, the the hem facing sometimes gets stretched and then you have to kind of fold, even though it's, it's a facing, it kind of stretches out. So it's difficult to to sew. And so um, I interfaced that facing and then it laid perfectly flat and I didn't have any trouble. So yeah, that's really good. I love the way that you've really adapted that pattern to work for you. Yeah. So then the other thing I did was I made a Karamea Maui um, dragon fruit dress, but I made yeah. it as a top. I wore that to New York on our way there. Yeah. Um, it was the most beautiful fabric that I got. It's Robert Kaufman Lawn. Robert Kaufman Lawn is really nice. FYI, it's very uh, narrow. It's like 44 inches, but um, but it is not really nice fabric. And I made a, a top version of that dress. So. Um. Awesome. It looked great. It looked like it was a nice, cool piece to wear for that. Yeah. Okay. So we have some new patterns. We do. I always love it when we have new patterns. Okay. The first one is the Nazaria shirt, Nazara shirt from Itch to Stitch. And this, there's been a lot lately I've, I've noticed of these kind of camp shirts coming out. This one's very simple. It's, um, so it has a camp collar, or is that an actual collar? It's a, <coughs> I'm sorry, it does not have a camp collar. It has a standard collar with a collar stand. It has a high, low shirt tail hem, and it has grown on sleeves, short grown on sleeves. So it's in, interesting. It's got, you know, the full collar, but the, but no, no real sleeve attachment there. It looks like a nice flowy top. Yeah, absolutely. And I i mean, I would argue you can really never have too many. Like, it's nice to have a different set of details. The way they're drafted is often different. Now, grown-on sleeves aren't usually your bag, so it may not be the right one for you. But the um, Teddy designer top has grown-on yes. sleeves, so... I do like it sometimes. Um, it does have one of the good things about this version is there's option for cup sizes, so that's uh, nice. nice. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I generally, um, like the instructions. I will say it's to stitch patterns. I, I normally in any patterns need to lower the bust start like an inch, but an itch to stitch, I need to lower it like two inches. I don't know how perky they're expecting me to be, but I am not. But they are, yeah, they're definitely over expecting. It sounds like. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, our next one is the Evergreen top, top and Dress, which is from a company I don't think I'm familiar with. This is Lesper Lines. And this is a relatively simple, um, slightly oversized dress or top with a bust start and drop shoulder, uh, but sewn in sleeves. And it's yes. got a... Um, a bias tape neckline that on the front opens to a big keyhole. Like it's a a larger keyhole that ties. And then to make it into a dress, they basically shorten the top and slap on a gathered skirt. So, so the plus is you can make that waistline anywhere that you want it to be. Um, And their size range goes up to 60.25 inches for the hip, which is really great. So it's nice that they've done that. Um, the bust is probably more relevant here, which is 55 and an eighth inch for the bust measurement, because mm-hmm. you're just going to gather on a skirt or, you know, you might have to grade out if your hips are wider because it is just a straight up and down bodice. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a key to, I thought you sent me this. Yeah, but I'd never heard of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I, I may have sent it to you, but it's one where when I, I learned about it when I sent it. Oh, okay. You know okay. what I mean? Gotcha. Gotcha. It's a, it's a, but it's a nice, um, nice to have another choice with a good size range. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's really, really exciting. Okay. So this next one is the True Bias Aster Top and Dress. And this yeah. is basically the Reynolds Top and Dress. Oh, is it? I, I'm not. Yeah, as it's basically the same as Helen's Closet. Oh, no, it's not actually. Let me take that back. The, um, because it has much wider much wider very um, wide straps yeah very wide straps so it's like the if you were to take yeah and and i'm not sure they're straps i think they might be like like cut out with it you see what i mean oh i think they're cut out with i just i just would also i think of them as like where the strap would be so they are cut out with it so it's whatever your shoulder looks like that that piece that yeah shoulder I, I think that's interesting. Um, so huh, I wonder how that goes as far as, because with, with the straps, you often have to adjust, right? Right. So and I wonder here, how that it would be. You'd just be doing your usual shoulder slope adjustment because it's just, yeah. it's a sleeveless dress and it is a sheath dress with a square neck. Yes. Right. It has, um, the back has like princess seams. Not princess seams. Fish uh, eye darts or something. Yeah, fish eye darts probably. Yeah, and then the front just has darts, you know, regular bus darts. So yeah. um and all views include a self-facing and an optional full lining. It's interesting. It's not um it's not my favorite. I'm not gonna make it, I don't think. You know. I I won't, but it's because I, I struggle to make a sheath dress work right on me. I see. Because of the, I would the need to difference. add like six inches at least, <laughs> and then it wouldn't be this dress. It would it would be a completely different dress. <laughs> well, I don't know. It would just be a longer version. But yeah. Oh, you meant length. I thought you meant ease. <laughs> no, I meant six inches of length. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the length is no problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. So our topic this week, I honestly just wanted to talk about what we like and don't like about sewing. Like, where is our joy found? And more importantly, where do we not find joy? What do we need <laughs> to outsource? Um, and, and why is it not practical to outsource it? Um, and I thought maybe we'd just start with sort of looking over the things that we like. I like okay. changing needles. I get really satisfied when I change the needle on my machine. So it makes me happy to do it. So I do it really often. Like every every sew or two, I change my needles. Um, I, I change I, them often, but I'm not sure that that's what I love. I really enjoy it. For me, it feels like, like in my mind, changing my needle is associated with no problems at all. Like as mm. soon as I finish it, I know I'm going to sew smooth. I'm not going to feel like any of my threads pull or drag in any weird way. They're just, mm-hmm. they're perfect. I have given the machine what it needs to be certain it makes the perfect hole and pulls the thread through exactly how it's supposed to with no barbs or burrs or stickies or anything. And so yeah. I I always feel like immediately I've gone from something where I might be thinking, is it dragging a little? Am I feeling a little hesitation as it makes holes to, nope, this is perfect. This is how it was intended to work. 
So it makes me happy in that regard. So the interesting thing for me, I, I change my needles frequently, but I change them more often on my FAF because for some reason that sewing machine breaks needles. Oh, that, I mean, I've always associated broken needles that are consistent with a problem with the timing or a problem with um, the shaft that you're sticking the needle up into. Oh, great. But it doesn't mean there is a problem. It's just for me, that's what I associate it with. And so mm. even just using like a tiny swab or um, I don't use Candare for a lot of things, but using some Candare to blow out that shaft might be a, mm. a thing where there's something little there that you're unaware of might be a problem. Um, but yeah, that's a I, good idea. I, you know, but that's a good idea. I didn't think there was like, I didn't think of that. So I'll, I'll check that out. Yeah. Um, I also really like cutting fabric out. Like <clears throat> that is, is like the worst part of sewing. That is the <laughs> worst part of se- like I would rather no. rip out um uh serge seams than cut out fabric. <laughs> okay, there's nothing worse than serge seams. I hadn't even thought about ripping them out because you know what I never do? Rip them out. Like I just won't. <laughs> you just buy you give skin a new you make a new thing. <laughs> I make a new thing. I'm done done when it happens with a serge. <laughs> um but the but the thing is the worst part for me of the like prepping part, taping the patterns together. Like and then cutting them out, even if they're not taped, even if you order them as an AO or you buy a tissue pattern, mm-hmm. I hate cutting them out like that because there isn't a fast way to do it. Like rotary cutters can make cutting things out quicker, right? And Sheila O'Kelly just posted her review of an electric cutter that she bought, an electric rotary cutter that she bought. But you can rotary cut your your paper pattern too. That's what I do. Wait, wait. Do you use your sewing scissors on paper? No, and I don't use my sewing rotary cutter on there either. So you have I multiple use... rotary cutters and you have one designated for paper. Yeah. I use oh, the wild. the I use the the left the um blade that I get rid of for the fabric for that one. Okay, I love all of that. None of that has ever occurred to me. That will now be my new standard. <laughs> I love every bit of that. Never, ever occurred to me. Awesome. <laughs> that is amazing. It makes it so much faster. Yes, it sounds like it would. <laughs> it sounds like it would because rotary cutters are one of the things I really love about sewing is having a rotary cutter to do things with. Because yeah. I come from quilting too, and they're obviously using quilting all the time. Yeah. But but there are tons of sewists that I see on Instagram showing off what they're doing and using like scissors, which for me, that's a, that's a hand cramp waiting to happen. Yeah. 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 Scissors are, have their place, but I do most of my cutting is with a rotary cutter. I think I can do more accurate with a rotary color cutter. I, I don't have I to agree. lift up the fabric. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I also, the, these next two are wild. I, I really love freshly laundered fabric. Mm-hmm. Do I have Doesn't to everyone? That? <laughs> I mean, I never liked to wash it before, so I never had freshly laundered fabric. I just had store fabric and clothing. <laughs> but I love pulling it out of the washer and 
putting it in the dryer. And then I really, really love pulling it out of the dryer and folding it. I'm fascinated by how much lint I find when I wash, pre-wash things. Cause some things it's enormous. Oh my gosh. So much lint for months. Like after I finished making it, I'm still getting buckets of lint off of it. <laughs> you know, um, it's funny cause we have linen bed sheets and yeah. it makes so much dust on our nightstands. Yeah. And then, yeah, and I believe then you it. wash that. Yeah, same thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you on that. French seams. I like French seams too. I have started with, I told you one of my goals for PF Mending was to sort of improve my French seams. Mm-hmm. I know it's not mending. I'm just saying that's the thing I want to do. I want to improve <laughs> my And so all of the yesterday dresses I've been making, I've been French seaming. Oh, nice. You know, what's funny is like when we first started talking, you were like, I do not do French seams. Oh my God. There's such a pain in the ass. You have to sew everything twice, but, but I think there are places where they're just nicer. Sew everything twice. Oh, whatever. I mean, the surging is different, (laughs) (laughs) but, but that is the truth. If you're surging your finished edges anyway. You are sewing everything twice. Um, But when I started, it was, um, I had, when I started doing the French seams, I had this idea in my head, because I've moved my sewing space around, that if I French seamed, I don't have to get up and walk over to the serger, which is (laughs) like before I just spun my chair. And now I've got to go all the way over there. And there isn't a chair there. I sit on a step stool and Mm -hmm. there's just things about it that aren't as fun. And I thought, well, if I do French seams, that won't be an issue because I don't actually like I'd been finishing the bottom inside, the bottom edge of my my hem. I had been doing the serging on and then I double fold it anyway. So it's in case. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I don't have to do that if I just double fold it accurately, which I totally do. So do you have an iron in your like right where you don't have to get up. No, it's in a cupboard. So what? <laughs> I'm wondering is for both French seams and double trimmed hems, I need an iron. Oh, how interesting. No, I, I finger press. So there is an amount of sort of finger pressing going on, but I, yeah. Even no, for I hems? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I, okay. I don't always even finger press the hems. I just, you know, fold and they're fine. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just good at knowing how to fold them. I'm I'm not sure. I don't know huh. how to answer that. Um, <laughs> but okay. yeah, I'm just not using an iron because, of course, that would it didn't make it to my list of dislikes. But I could totally edit it right now and add it because okay. I do not care for ironing at all. But the last thing I really, really love is bias tape. Ever since I learned the secret of not being accurate, like as soon as I don't have to be accurate about how I cut my bias tape out. I love bias tape. I yeah. want to learn how to use more of it in my sewing. <laughs> yeah, I um that that is helpful too because um I sometimes like like I'm not going to use extra yardage for bias tape. Like I think that's right. like that's it feels wasteful because also the way you cut it you can't use the scraps as well. Right. So if you don't have to be really accurate and it still is plenty stretchy, if it's 30 degrees or whatever, um, as long as you cut, you know, so that they're straight lines or whatever, then you get these um, pieces you can get out of 
you know, different shapes and yeah. makes it easier. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and for mine, I try and think when I'm laying out my bodice about how to lay it out so that I can get my bias tape by cutting up through the arm size scrap, you know, and things like mm-hmm. that so that, so that I am making better use of the material that I have remaining. And it helps because with a lot of bias tape tutorials, you're taking rectangles and sewing them up in a particular way, or mm-hmm. you're taking trapezoids and sewing them up in a particular way, or you're doing other things that do rely on a specific type of fabric or a way of cutting it out. And you're right, without the, if you aren't committed to 45 degrees, you've got a lot more options. Yeah. So I love those. What do you love about sewing? Okay. The things that I like are, I, I've discovered a love for these sleeve and popover plackets. Yeah. If they're a fun thing to put together, like the, the full placket, I do not like those sleeve plackets that are just the, um, the bias tape, you know, yeah. piece, a piece cut on the bias where you fold it over. I don't like that because it never really works for me. And I end up with a little hole there. So the, the full like tower placket. I love those. I think those are fun. That's awesome. What's your favorite pattern that uses that? Oh, um, I have a shirt pattern. It doesn't meet our quite, it doesn't quite yet meet. That's for Jim that, um, that I like to make. And I also have, um, I've adapted. Oh, you can, I, the collar, the placket that I use for that obrigada. Yeah. Yes. And I've used in a lot of things now, actually, I use the placket from the Cali, from the okay. closet core Cali. And you can, so what I've done too, is I like to make in shirts for myself um, and in some dresses for myself, the take that placket, make it to right where you want the V to come Yeah, in like a V neck. And then you don't have to do any buttons. You just oh, yeah, do the smart. placket. Yeah. yeah. And and then I, I put on like the collar stand, but not a collar. So yeah, um, yeah that's the way I did. I mean, you could do it with collar too, but or yeah, you could I like probably it. just, I guess you could just do it with, but I've never done like the, like a bias finish on that. I'm not sure how that would be. It seems like you kind of need that band, but maybe you don't. I'm not sure. I haven't done very much with those. I think. I've got some interest in learning how to do what you described as coming down to just where you'd have the Vigo. Yeah. I'm interested in that because I like the look, but I think I've felt kind of intimidated by the process there. So I'll check out the Cali. Yeah. And they have good instructions on that where, um, you know, it tells you exactly what to do. Um, and it, there is a bit of, you know, fiddliness, but um, once you kind of get it, you get it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I understand that. Awesome. What else do you love? Or like, um, I like to alter patterns using my fancy rulers. <laughs> so, um, I actually enjoy making FBAs. I like altered necklines with, you know, making new facings for them. I yeah. like moving darts around, like changing them from traditional darts to being at the waist or yeah. the shoulders and like learn. I, I liked when I learned how to do that. Um, you know, just converting um, something with sleeves to sleeveless. I enjoy just doing that on paper. I don't know how, and I don't have a, I don't have a dress form. So I don't, and I don't know how to do draping, but I do enjoy like doing it on paper. 
Awesome. That's a really neat thing to enjoy. I still have to look every time at all the instructions for an FBA, so I haven't learned to love them. Okay. Okay. Um, I like making um, like the slash style and the jean style yeah. pockets. I enjoy that kind of like sewing together, folding over. I yeah. like that whole process. Um, I, those are my favorite pockets to make for sure. Um, yeah. So, I, and I like making button-up shirts. Um, the weird thing is on my dislikes is wearing button-up shirts. <laughs> I mean, they're two different activities. It's <laughs> Yeah. So, luckily, Jim likes wearing button-up shirts. Perfect. I love a clean work area. And to me, that's part of sewing. And so, between projects, even if, like, Sometimes I'll have like a full day of sewing. And so I finish one thing and I'm going to do another thing after I clean the whole area and then start fresh okay. because I like to know where all my tools are and everything. So um, I like a clean work area. I like making um, the insides to garments really pretty. Like yeah. I was inspired by Sheila Kelly on this. And um, I really like to have like, in, you know, putting bias tape for the waistband, things like that. I like to do that. Um, I also like when I can mend or alter a garment to make something that I want to wear. Um, so I did that a couple times this year. I took dresses and turned them into tops. Yeah. And, um, I also have plans to turn some pants into shorts that I have these pants I haven't been wearing. I think because for pants, they look, they're just not. Anyway, they're not working for me. And so I like the idea of just doing a simple thing and then making them into something that I would wear. Yeah, I, I think that's a really neat thing to get to do. I very rarely end up doing it, but I theoretically, I, I love the idea. And when I bought ready to wear clothing, I would like alter it in ways to make it fit, but not tailoring, like taking the bones yeah. and saying, I like this concept, but I want something a little different. So I'm going to keep the bodice and dump everything else and try again, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the kind of fun part for me. And I think that might be what a lot of people like to do where they refashion stuff from thrift stores and things. I think that's what they get into. I yeah. haven't really done much of that because I kind of like to start with what I, what I've made. But, um, so the other thing is I, so the next two things are kind of like and dislike. So <laughs> the like is I like to make buttonholes on my baby lock. I think the baby lock buttonhole is yeah. the best buttonhole maker that I've ever used. I do not like to make buttonholes on my faff, which is about five times the price of my baby lock. But I do <laughs> not like to make buttonholes on it. I do like to wear rayon viscose or tensile garments. But yeah. I do not like to sew them. Yep. Nobody does. I'm sure somebody does, but they shouldn't. They're terrible to do. I <laughs> agree with you 100%. When I look at my dislikes, I really hate changing rotary cutter blades. Well, so it is a I dangerous thing to do. It is, it is dangerous. I find like a lot of the blades I buy, they're a little bit oiled already yes, and so yes. sliding them off of each other is a little difficult That's i did scary. finally realize i have a sharps box for my injections and i can put my needles and my rotary cutter blades in there 
Like I just collected them all oh. in a glass jar for years for yes. disposal later. And I recently was like, I have this box I'm already using for sharps. I can put them in there. So I do that now, but it means that I will cut with a rotary cutter blade long after I should. Mm. Like where I'm at the point where I'm like, God, I got to go over that again to get rid of the couple of threads because I so much dislike changing it. Unlike my needles, which I, I am just changing long before there's an actual problem. My blades yeah. I'll let hang out much longer than I should. So I like the idea of like right now going in and putting fresh blades in all of them, except the one that I'm going to hand off and now have be my paper one. Because I have a, I do have a bunch of rotary cutters and that's because I don't like changing the blades, right? So if I have yeah. six of them, I have to change the blades the exact same amount of time, but I can do it all at once at one time. <laughs> that's actually pretty smart. Yeah. You no. Know? And rotary cutters, they aren't anymore, but back in the day when I started quilting, I could buy discount rotary cutters at Joann's for less than I could buy blades. And so I would buy all these plastic disposable rotary cutters, knowing that what it was is I was just getting a fresh blade that I didn't even have to install for less than the cost of a blade. And I can't find them at that price point anymore. So I am, I am now having to install. Anyway. I um. So the, here's an interesting thing about rotary cutters. So I have to be careful when I buy a new one because actually they're not all ambidextrous. Right. Some of them are only for right-handed people. Like yeah. the blade is on the wrong side and you can't fix it. And so, um, and, or like I have one that it doesn't matter. Um, the blade kind of, you can hold the blade either way. Right. Some of them right, that right. has to be held a certain way. And so yep. you need to be able to, anyway, just. Uh, yeah. That's, that's I hadn't thought about thing. that because, because all of them are made for me. Like yeah. I'm right-handed. So they're all already made for me. Um, okay. But I do, I do kind of notice the handedness when I start, like I have to think about it before I lay down to start cutting bias because I do use both hands with my rotary cutter. I'm mm. right-handed. I I prefer my right hand, but with bias, it used to be, I'd like, it would depend on where I had my fabric. Sometimes it was better to put the, the ruler on the other side and cut yeah. using my left hand. And that's mm. where I learned that they aren't all meant to do that. Like that was yeah. how I had to learn that because it was see. the first time I'd experienced it personally. Yeah. Um, I hate cutting fabric with scissors. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Um, I'll do almost anything not to. So I feel that way about thin fabric, but I actually prefer to cut denim with scissors. Yeah. And, um, and some other, sometimes like heavier fabrics, I'll sometimes mark with chalk and then cut. I don't like when I have a pattern piece down and I'm trying to, like, I don't feel like I can do an accurate job with the scissors when I have a pattern piece cut down. Yeah. If I'm going to use scissors, I will trace it first on the fabric. That's smart. I would also hate doing that, but that is a smarter <laughs> way to go. Um, yeah, and, and some fabrics it just doesn't work on, right? Like the chalk won't really stay or you have too much, too much to, in the design on it. Yeah. You or it feels it like it stretches the fabric just pulling the chalk across it. Like sure, with a sure. just a rayon or something, you're going to it's harder to do an outline. Yeah. I think if I, with viscose rayon, I'm using a 
a cutter. Yeah. I mean, a rotary cutter. I can't imagine, but there's people who do it. I know. Don't understand it, but good for them. Um, I just don't like buttons and buttonholes, no matter what machine it's on. Although I will admit that that the buttonholer on brother makes it le- not brother on baby lock makes it less painful. Yes, yes. And so you don't like you don't like buttons either. No, you don't even no. like buttons if they're faux. If there's no buttonhole. Yeah, I, I don't like buttons at all. I don't like sewing them on. I don't enjoy fiddling with the button foot. I don't none of that. Mm-hmm. I'll do it. I, I just don't like it. <laughs> yeah. I, I do mine by hand. Now I was like really intrigued when I first figured out there was a button foot. Um, and I, I would use that, but then now I'm just kind of like, uh, I'll, I'll just do it by hand. It seems just as fast. Yeah, it it probably is. I avoid anything that might lead to hand cramping. So I don't tend to sew things on by hand because my arthritis tells me that it doesn't like me when I do it. Even for a few stitches. Yeah, I, I, I think it's the way that I hold my needle. There may be a better way to do uh, it, but I, it hurts. It's just a painful, it's yeah. not thrilling. Um, but the other thing I really hate to do and I don't do a lot of is actually fitting patterns to my body specifically. Mm-hmm. I shorten waist all the time. I'll raise a waistline or shorten it because I'm short-waisted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't mind changing the hem length or the length of a sleeve. But I am not doing a full bus adjustment. I'm not doing a full bicep. I'm not moving my shoulders forwards, backwards, up, down, angled. I'm I'm almost never even lowering a bus start. I'm like, I mean, it's just going to be where it is. And part of that, I think, is because I know that many of my outfits, they're just, they're going to be passed on to a new home anyway. It's mm-hmm. not going to fit the next person the way that it fits me. I'm not likely to wear it more than three or four times before I sell it. So does it matter? Like, is it really important to me? Is it really noticeable? There are some that I sew over and over again, like the Trillium I've now adjusted the bus start on. And it's for me, like, because I've mm-hmm. made 40 of them. But if I'm just making a dress up once, the odds are pretty good. I'm not adjusting it on the pattern because I probably won't make it again anyway. Hmm. I, um, yeah, I always adjust that. Um, it was funny to me when we were in New York, when we were talking about moving the bus start, like you had, you didn't actually realize how easy it was. Yeah, no, I didn't because I don't do it. Uh huh. I, I mean, I just literally don't. And I think some of that probably comes from my early sewing where I was just teaching myself how to do things off of <laughs> garments that already existed in the world more than I was sewing from patterns. And I definitely... I wasn't taking classes. There was a time where I couldn't afford them. But when I started to be able to afford them, they weren't fat friendly. They weren't using patterns to fit my body and they weren't setting the classrooms up so that I could walk around in them. And so I just really didn't get any outside education. Everything was sort of me and Threads Magazine. And we've definitely had the talk about how fat phobic Threads Magazine is. And it was worse in the 80s and 90s. It's not like... It's not like it was better and got worse. It was definitely worse then. And so I think I didn't have access to information on how those things were done. And so it was just sort of accepting what it was or inventing my own way of making something a little bigger, a little better. And I maybe if I got practice, it's a thing I do. Like I want to try the dart movement now that you've Mm -hmm. explained to me how it's done. But I think in my head, I just sort of accept that a lot of those changes, they're just they're for people who know things. They're not for me. They're not, 
You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm, I don't see, view myself as smart enough to do all that stuff. So I oh, just, don't be ridiculous. Don't. And I agree You're, with you. It's ridiculous. But I think in my head, that's the block is it's like, oh, yeah. that's what real sewists do. And I'm just, I'm just kind of casually building stuff for myself. And it doesn't feel, I, I feel a disconnect that isn't real, but I still feel it. Yeah. Um, well, an interesting thing too, is like, um, when you were learning before, there wasn't the same number of resources that there are now. And, um, a thing that might help if you, if you wanted to fit things like you might not want to, but if you wanted to, um, that all these things are so easy, easily found on, on YouTube, you know, like, because when I was, fitting clothes to myself. Like I knew how to sew before, you know, for a long, long time, but I didn't sew clothes for myself. So when I came back to sewing was in 2020 and, um, I just learned to, to do things. And one of the things is, you know, for my body size and like, I would often need an FBA because of, you know, if I, if I, Otherwise, I might as well just get ready to wear stuff that doesn't fit me, right? Because <laughs> I'm just, yeah. you know, I can make a bigger size, sure. But that's the same problem with ready to wear. I've had tank tops my whole life that are gaping at the at yeah. the arm side because they weren't made to fit this my shape. So I learned how to do an FBA from a from a YouTube video or a. I actually prefer when they have instructions where there's illustrations to a video. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, because I can just look at the thing one by one. But um, yeah, those kind of things, I think because I came back to it when there was all these resources so easily available, you can just search for it. And you don't have to talk to anybody. Um, and I'm, I think part of it for me too is that there's a difference in the fit issue that you're having with your your proportion to the one that, that I typically have, because my biggest fit issue is my hips. And that's mm-hmm. usually fixed by literally just drawing the curve out yeah. from the waist to the hip. Right. And so even though it's a huge distance, it's covering, there's a, there's a pretty set way to do that. That doesn't involve rotating anything or having mm-hmm. to cut or shift a pattern. It's like pretty, yeah. pretty easy. And my bust art, which is really where my, one of the fit items I'd like to change is my bust arts are frequently too high and not quite far enough in, but not by much. Like I'm a D cup. Mm-hmm. So it's, I'm, I'm within for a lot of patterns that come up to my hip size, they're in a D cup. Like they've yes. already done that part. So for me, it's an easier movement that I've, yeah. that, that mostly I'm the person noticing that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not radically changing the fit of the garment or leaving with ga- gaping armholes or, or anything else yes, like that. Right. So I think there's also a piece of it that's just like, I mean, it's a minor thing, but now that I know how simple that is, that may be easier. And that may be something I can add into my practice of sewing because I used to get up in the morning, cut things out and sew them. And now I have to cut everything out on the weekend because my cutting table is in my bedroom and my husband Uh. is asleep when I get up. And so I cut on the weekends, but my mornings when I don't have something I want to sew could be spent watching YouTube or on my iPad, looking up instructions for things that I might want to learn. So that's a great idea. I'll, I'll take that on board. Especially Um, now that you're making things, you're aiming to make things that you're keeping longer too. I am. I am. It matters more. So it's worth the effort of doing the fitting if you're going to keep it longer. Yeah. And I think, I think that is part of the change too, because when I came back to sewing, it was a rare item that I made a ton, a ton of, 
right? The Upton's a great example of one of those mm-hmm. rare early return to sewing items. But for most items, I'd make it once and be like, I mean, I'm glad I could make it. It's not something I want to wear and move on. Mm-hmm. And so I did a lot of those one-offs. And even there, if you're not truly twalling at least the bodice, mm-hmm. you're just going to get what you get. And if you don't want to make it again, and I'm pretty good, I think, at assessing, do I not want to make it because the darts were wrong or do I not want to yeah. make it because, as it turns out, that's not a garment I want to wear mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and things like that. Because I do, yeah, anyway, I'm excited. I think you're right. I think I could learn to do this. Mm-hmm. I think there's no doubt because I think any sewist could learn to do these things, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and I am any sewist, so I could definitely learn to do these <laughs> things. I'm going to try and build yeah. that into my practice. Thank you for the encouragement. What do you not like? So the only ones that I haven't mentioned already are, I don't like when my bobbin goes out mid project and I have to fill that. Uh, I hate it. And so my baby lock, the one, the model that I have for my baby lock does not warn me. So that, that's a terrible thing because then you just run out and you've sewn. Usually it'll be when I've, gathered a huge long thing yes and then I go through the whole thing and it's it's not sewn and so I gotta line it back up again and I scream um but my fast machine does warn me but I still don't like it when I have to stop and put a new a new yeah do a new bobbin I so I routinely check before I start gathering because mine warns me but it still pisses me off and I check before I start a hem yeah yeah, because you hem a circle skirt and you're a third of the way through and you got to switch it out. It just sucks. Even my lazy method of sewing is not satisfied when I know I'm going to have to change a thread mid mid hem. Yeah. right. Yeah, because there's a lot of effort involved in trying to make it look nice, or a lot of effort involved in pulling the damn thing out and starting over. <laughs> what do you do with like? So sometimes, you know, like your bobbin thread is pretty much done, right? Like it's not enough in there to like, not enough to save, right? right. So what do you do? Do you just throw that thread in the trash? Um, Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. And I, when I pull it out, like I think the most I've ever thrown away is about 18 inches. And usually oh. it's three or four inches. So, but before you do a hem... Like Oh, if- well, I put, okay, so if it's like a third of the way through and I can't use it because I think I'll run out, I set that aside. And then okay. I use it, but I pay attention. So I'll pull it out and like on, on the Karamea Maui, I do my side seams, French um, my shoulder seams, French um, and I'd, I'd check, like I'd make sure I was still doing good, but that's smaller spaces I can do and I'll just set it aside for smaller spaces. Oh. Yeah. So I never get rid of a long one. I have lots of, in my... I mean, it's part of the disorganization I have is I have a bobbin thing that's just full of a lot of partial bobbins. But the okay. other part of it is when I'm doing foundation piecing, which I do a lot of for mm-hmm. bodices of things, um, I can use any color bobbin doing that. None of that shows. It's totally yeah. it's a, whatever whatever goes. It doesn't matter a bit. Like that's all on the inside. That's and, nice. And yeah, and it means I can also use up. So the most recent one I did, I used up a ton of ends of bobbins where I could only get maybe 20 inches of sewing out of it. But who cares? Because it's also, if I have to start over mid-seam, it's not visible. It doesn't matter. No, that's good. That's good. So, so I use them for things like that. The other thing I really hate is cleaning my serger. Like when you're 
so when I thread my machine, I clean it out each time because um, mine, I, I don't have an automatic threader. I need to open it up to thread it. Yeah. And so I notice how disgusting it is in there. Um, particularly, you know, after sewing a linen garment and there's all kind of fluff in there. Oh, so fluffy. Yeah. So I clean that out. And the only time I don't mind cleaning out the sergers when I completely take it apart to like change the knives and everything, then I like finding all the, yeah, you know, there's something sad. You're already in there and it's like a game to make it as clean as it can be. And as and boy, that first sew afterwards is so satisfying. Yeah. 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 So that's pretty much it. Yeah. I, you know, I think we have some overlap, but we have a lot of differences too. We're not close enough to take on the things for each other. Cause like no. I could cut out all your fabric. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I can make your buttonholes. That's exactly right. But unfortunately distance is, um, is not going to make that work for us, but that's awesome. Guys, when this one comes out, be sure and tag us in your likes and dislikes. We'd love to know. Just, yeah. uh, just shout them out because we are hoping coming forward to have a few changes to format of the program and tagging us will be one of them. So you might as well get used to it now. <laughs> Okay. We would like to ask you to rate and review us on your favorite podcaster. It's obvious we want you to do that because it helps people to find us, but it also makes us feel good. And who doesn't want to do that? That's right. And then if you would, if you like this program and you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash punkrockers and join our Patreon. That's awesome. We really appreciate it. And we will see you next Tuesday. Punk Frockers is created, produced, and edited by Beverly Baptiste and Jenny Hassler. On Instagram, you can find the podcast at Punk Frockers. You can find Jenny at J.O. Hassler and Beverly at Weeds to Wildflowers. Our artwork and music is created and performed by Jim Duran. You can find him on Instagram and his website at jimduran.art. 